and welcome to the Legal Mind podcast from Lawcare. I'm Gemma Matthews. We know that a lot of legal professionals are sleep deprived, partly to do with the long working hours, often because of stress, sometimes because they can't quieten down their minds enough to get to sleep. Today, we're going to speak to sleep physiologist Stephanie Romachevsky from the Sleepyhead Clinic in Exeter to get her tips on how to get a good night's sleep. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, let's get straight away stuck in. Um, tell us more about what you do at the clinic and the types of people that you see. So I often see insomnia patients and, and that can be anyone who has a problem getting to sleep or somebody who doesn't have a problem getting to sleep. They have a problem maintaining it. So they wake up in the night and they can't go back to sleep or they just feel like they've had a really bad quality night's sleep. And, and that can really impact on their days. And usually these are people that have had it for a few months or more um, and often many years, if not an entire lifetime. Um, these can be any different types of people. So I see all sorts of people. Uh, so you, you're looking at, say, a mum of three versus a retired security guard to a trader to a surgeon. Literally, sleep problems do not discriminate and the way they make us feel is not great at all. Um, and I'm not talking about the physiological effects, which I know we see a lot in the media and the news, but I mean the way that it affects us emotionally. So often it can make us feel really lonely and inadequate and it makes us feel like we are separated from the rest of society because whilst you're up, the rest of the world feels like it's sleeping. Um, so I, I deal with mainly that kind of problem and I use cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia or CBTI. Um, it's very different to CBT for depression or anxiety, which I know a lot of people get mixed up with. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I spend most of my days doing at the moment. Okay. And do you, do you tend to see a lot of people from particular professions? Are some more effective than others? Yeah, well, we do. We see a lot of lawyers and accountants. Um, I see a lot of traders, teachers. To be honest, um, you'll, it depends on the time of year, you know. Um, uh, it depends who you see. But yes, I definitely get people who are in quite stressful jobs, quite long hour type of jobs. People who are really quite diligent and have really good routines, actually. And they're doing all the right things. So they're not, these are very educated people who have tried and they've looked online, they've been to their doctors and they can't find the solution. And that's not their fault. All it is, is our, our clinical profession in this country, our medical profession, they don't get the education and sleep that they need. Um, and we know that because I've just done a piece of research with Exeter University, which had a look at all the undergraduate medical degrees in the country and tried to figure out how much sleep education do we actually give our medical professions. And the median was about an hour and a half, which is awful really? for something we do for a third of our night's sleep. So therefore, is it any wonder that a third of our society is constantly suffering from sleep problems. We're just not well-educated on the science of sleep. And of course, if you're not well-educated on the science of sleep, you end up listening to old wives' tales, what your parents told you when you were young about what to do if you don't sleep well. And of course, unfortunately, what we know as behaviorists or physiologists is that um, those things often make things worse, not better. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's quite common to have these problems these days. What, what are some of those common myths we have about sleep or getting to sleep? So one of the big ones at the moment is trying to figure out how many hours of sleep you need. Now, there isn't a specific eight hour rule. There really isn't. Everybody is different. Short sleepers exist. 
and long sleepers exist. And it's difficult because when they do the research, um, it's difficult to tell, you know, when you're looking at a short sleeper, so someone who's sleeping less than six hours, are they actively restricting themselves from sleep? Do they have that attitude, I'll sleep when I'm dead, like in the 80s type of thing? <laughs> or are that is that person actually, they just naturally get six hours sleep or less? And, and depending on who you're looking at, depends on how that's going to affect their physiology actually it's it's not you, you can't speak to the whole population and say everybody must get eight hours not least because it's completely impossible to just impose eight hours on yourself any person who's ever suffered from sleep problems will understand you cannot control sleep you cannot dictate it your body will do it when it needs it and it's quite a healthy process it knows what it's doing it's our own anxieties and stresses around sleep that cause us to alter sleep so much and think we're doing the right thing when maybe we're not so how how do you know what's the perfect amount of sleep for you i mean you know there's people that just say they're tired all the time um, so, how, so how do you know what's your optimum sleep? So very good question. When we're looking at trying to treat a patient, what we do is we actively restrict them to how many hours of sleep we think they're getting a night. So if you look over a week's and you try to figure out, we, we use this, we do this through sleep diaries. We figure out how much time on average, and it's an approximation, but it tends to be quite a good one of how much sleep they're actually getting. And if you look at how much time they're spending in bed, it's actually usually a little bit different. So your time in bed is usually a little bit longer than your time sleep. Sleeping. So the best thing you could do is actually alter your time in bed. So when you actually take yourself to bed and when you actually go away from the bedroom, which might not all be sleep, and you reduce that to the actual amount of time you spend sleeping. So for example, you spend eight hours in bed, but you actually only spend seven hours sleeping. So therefore I would restrict that person to seven hours. Now I'd make sure then for a week that they only slept those seven hours. And what you'd notice is straight away, the quality of your sleep will shoot up if you're not compensating for sleep at any other point during your day so you might find you get quite sleepy on this protocol and we ask that you don't fall asleep at any other time now what happens after a week is you'll notice you really are sleeping consistently for seven hours every night which is great but you might need no more and so what we would do is slowly but surely we'd add 15 minutes on a weekly basis until we couldn't add 15 minutes anymore. So we could, we're not, we're adding 15 minutes and you can't actually sleep it anymore. And therefore you, we know in sort of a lab environment or when you're under our care, that that's how we can find out what the ultimate sleep is for you at that time. So that's the very scientific way of doing it. But a different way of doing it is literally just wake up at the same time every single day. Stop compensating at the weekends for not sleeping um, enough. And what you'll notice is your body will naturally start to take you to bed when it needs to. For the first few nights, it might not be till very, very late, but you will notice if you're not compensating at any other time, for example, napping, going to bed early, you will notice that your body will start to give you what it needs. People find, I find so often people trying to dictate their bedtime. And as I said, you cannot dictate when you're sleeping, not least because there are so many variables in life that you cannot control, but you can control when you wake up in the morning and you can control when you don't sleep. And therefore by doing that, eventually you're kind of teaching your brain, oh, she wants to be up at this, this time every single day. She wants to be alert and doing her work at this time every day. Our behaviors dictate so much about our sleep. And that's how you'd eventually find out how much sleep on, on average right now that you need. But even when you do that, it's going to change. So there's no real point in focusing every single night on getting exactly the same amount of sleep. I don't get the same amount of sleep each night. I don't sleep 100% well every single night. I probably sleep probably 
two thirds, if not slightly more well. And then there'll be slightly less than a third of the time where I might not sleep as well because there are so many variables in my life that I can't control. The difference between me and potentially a poor sleeper is just that I don't worry about that. I don't alter any of my behavior to try and fix a problem that's not there. And I let my sleep get on with it. Sometimes maybe I'm a little bit sleepier in the morning than usual, but most of the time I'm refreshed. So it's really taking that whole duration thing away. Focus on the quality, focus on what you can get and not what you can't get. Okay, that's music to a lot of people's ears. Um, in terms of your performance and how sleep affects you like in your daily life or lack of sleep affects you in your daily life, I mean, anyone listening with small children will know that it's possible <laughs> to survive on yes. uh, not very much sleep. Yes. Um, but I'm just wondering, there's a lot of anxiety about that, I think, in people sort yeah. of keeping themselves awake at night cause the, the, and worrying about the next day, I've got a meeting. And yeah. how, how does a lack of sleep affect your performance? Are you perfectly capable of um, you know, doing your job or surviving as normal for a, for a period of time of not having much sleep? Well, the answer is a bit more complicated. So yes and no. So obviously, if you were actively restricted from sleep every single night for a consistent period, right? So mm -hmm. let's say three weeks and you were knocked, two hours was knocked off your sleep time consistently every single night, then absolutely you would start to notice a bit of an impairment in your performance. But unlike what the research shows, uh, which is right, the research is right, it does impair our performance, but it's not to a degree to start with that you would notice. And But we have this massive fear that we're going to get fired or something terrible is going to happen after one bad night's sleep. You could literally not sleep all night and you'd pretty much be fine the next day yes you would feel not great and you would probably be a little bit slower at the tasks you had but probably most other people wouldn't notice that you you know you you'd had a really bad night's sleep but you would be worried that they would notice and that is where all that fear comes from and, and thinking that you've got to get the perfect night's sleep before a meeting it's actually that anxiety that makes that night of sleep worse you'd be better off staying out of the bedroom enjoying yourself for a while longer only getting six hours versus the seven you usually get, for example, because you weren't ready for sleep because you were a bit anxious about that meeting, but you kept yourself distracted. And instead of tossing and turning all night, you went to bed a bit later, but the sleep you got was really consolidated. It was really good quality. So the answer is yes, lack of sleep can impair your daytime performance, but probably in the way that we get sleep problems, even a rip roaring insomniac will not be actively restricted every single night the same. If you, you know, any people that are listening that suffer from sleep problems will agree that no night is the same it's all different and that's awful and it's a horrible chronic debilitating disease but it is not restriction it's not active sleep deprivation every single night exactly the same amount you will notice if you're watching really carefully that your body compensates in different ways and actually you get used to something that you might not have thought you could like for example one night you might only get four hours but the next night you sort of overcompensate and then the next night you go back to not having a good night's sleep and these are the horrible sort of patterns that people get themselves into which only proves that there are lots of different sleep patterns that you can have it's just in our society we really want the nine to five working hours we really want to be asleep when everybody else is because that's what our society and our culture teaches us and we start to find ourselves feeling very lonely and isolated if we're on a different type of sleep schedule but there are plenty of people that have to do that there's people on night shifts there's people on you know who naturally wake up early they naturally wake up later there's lots of different types of people out there but it's our anxiety and stress over sleep that caught that's the most insidious part of what happens to you the next day 
because there are a few people that sleep badly. We know about 10% that we never usually see because they don't perceive themselves to have a problem. So they just get up mm. and they go about their day. And, and to be fair, when people have sleep problems for years, whilst I know it feels awful and it really does alter our personalities and our moods, they've still got jobs. They've still, they're still, they've got their children to think about. They, they're still doing everything in life. It's just that life isn't as fun anymore because this problem is really getting to them and it does affect your energy and your fatigue levels. But interestingly, I find that insomniacs are some of the most strongest people I know because they've learned to cope with it. And in a way that's the problem because the brain doesn't even realize there's a problem anymore. Um, and that's what we try to do in, in, um, in mm. treatment is to retrain them to sleep in a different way because your brain doesn't realize that there is um, a problem there. And all we're doing is just changing a pattern of sleep. So if you see it less of a problem and more just that you've got yourself into a different pattern of sleep, we just got to get it out of that pattern of sleep. It's easier to fix. Okay. So the odd bad night's sleep or the odd late night working here and there is not going to cause you a big problem, but long-term if you're not getting enough sleep, that might start to affect your well-being and your performance. Absolutely. But just bearing in mind that even long-term, it's very unlikely that you would be actively restricted every single night. Yeah. No, nobody could cope with that. And you know that because having had children, um, you, you know that, you know, you know when it was really bad and you were so sleep deprived and you know, you're not feeling like that now. And mm. often when I come, I come across an insomniac person who used, um, had children and they've got older now, and now they've got insomnia I say to them how different does it feel like to when you were sleep deprived because your children were actively depriving you of sleep and they'll say to me oh totally different and so it cannot be the same thing as sleep deprivation also people with sleep deprivation will feel like they can nap during the day so they will feel like it's hard to keep their eyes open whether someone suffering from insomnia will have lots of fatigue but none of the sleepiness so they won't be able to just make themselves sleep and that's part of the frustration Interesting. You, you mentioned about um, good quality sleep. Um, so is, is not all sleep created equal? Is there, is, I know there's light sleep and, dark, uh, and deep yeah. sleep. What, what should you be aiming for? How can you get deeper sleep if that's what you need? Really, if you want good quality sleep, then you just need to work on your timing. So, so your body knows what it's doing when it comes to the stages of sleep. And yep, you're right. We go through light stages of sleep to deep stages of sleep. And we've also got a very active state of sleep called REM sleep, which is like when you do most of your graphic sort of dreaming, when you remember them very graphically, it's usually because you've been dreaming in REM. Um, and, we, and we're not 100% sure why we have that stage of sleep, other than we believe it's for pro processing um, we believe it's for um, consolidating memories and things like that but they're all very different types of uh, different types of sleep and we need all of them in um, in not in equal measures but we definitely need all of those different types of sleep if you are suffering from stress or anxiety or your environment keeps waking you up for example you live in a noisy area you're not used to it and cars keep driving past and you keep sort of having these little sort of uh, broken sleep obviously you're not going to be going into the stages for the same amount of time as you would if your sleep was unbroken so the best thing you can do for that interestingly is to wake up again at the same time every single day 
don't compensate for lack of sleep any other time and try to go to bed give yourself permission to go to bed when you're sleepy tired and that might seem like a really small window to start with but you will notice by restricting yourself you actually weirdly incur a little bit of proper sleep deprivation which will then make you sleepier the next night and you'll notice you'll get back into your normal routine obviously making sure you maintain a sense of relaxation and not being too anxious before you go to bed is really important but the problem is is that people feel that relaxation and anxiety reduction alone can get rid of a sleep problem and unfortunately that is not the case and that's what most people most insomniacs have already tried they've gone to all sorts of lengths and spent all sorts of money on just relaxation during the day but sleep problems tend to be habitual, which means they're just a pattern. So it doesn't matter how great you feel, if you've already got yourself into that pattern, then you're gonna to have to do something with your sleep schedule to get yourself out of it. But saying that, relaxation and anxiety reduction, incredibly important, especially when it comes to stress. So finding ways to wind down before you go to bed so that you're not just going from work to bed is incredibly important. And a lot of people don't realize that. When you look at your phone just before you go to bed, you're telling your brain that you want to wake up. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. Your brain's like, oh, she uses that phone at work. So she obviously wants to go into work mode. So it starts releasing chemicals for you so that you're more awake. And then you're wondering why you're wide awake in the middle of the night just because you looked at your phone for three seconds. Um, but your brain is that sort of reactive and very, very smart. So it's trying mm -hmm. to keep up with you all the time. So absolutely, all the different stages of sleep are really important. When you have a lack of sleep, interestingly, the way sleep debt works is that your brain will literally compensate by giving you an increased amount of, for example, deep sleep if it needs to. So all you can do with your sleep is try and maintain really healthy schedules and get plenty of bright light in the morning. That's another really good way of regulating your sleep routine. That's the most influential external factor on your sleep that is available to you. And it happens to be free. So mm -hmm. especially in the winter months, you need to be exposing yourself to lots of bright light in the morning. Why we wake up and we fumble around the house in the dark I will never know you need to get all those lights on and weirdly that regulates the timing of your sleep much more than anything that you do before you go to bed um, but it's really important just to have those timings instilled so bright light in the morning waking up at the same time every day not forcing sleep when your body clearly doesn't want it but if you're sticking to those kind of timings and you're sticking to the same opportunity of sleep each day, you will get the quality you need eventually. But what most people do when they think they need more quality or more duration, they increase the amount of time they need to spend in bed. They increase their opportunity to sleep by napping or lying in mm. or basically just taking advantage of any tiny bit of sleepiness they have because it's like society has taught us that sleepiness is bad. Sleepiness is a great thing. You need sleepiness. If we didn't have sleepiness, that lovely strong drive to sleep, you wouldn't be able to get yourself through the night. And that's what we see. Even if people find it easy to fall asleep, they wake up in the middle of the night and they cannot get themselves through the night. And it's usually because they don't have a strong enough sleep drive. They've started associating the bedroom with lots of waking activities instead of nighttime activities. And the stress and anxiety is starting to get to them. So re-educating people on sleep alone and getting them just to change a few really really key routine behaviors it, it that is the key to good sleep it is not about giving up caffeine and all the things you love and having hot warm baths before you go to bed they will not help a habitual sleep problem although yes of course every single sleep hygiene tip has a bit of evidence behind it but when you've got a habitual problem you've got to deal with it and tackle it as if it is sort of a, an addiction or a habit that you've got to break mm. 
So how long how long do you need to wind down in the evening? Is there is there a sort of set period of time? Does it depend on the person? You mentioned not going straight from work to bed. Yeah, um, which I imagine quite a lot of people do. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone is very different. And what I would say here is not to put too much emphasis on winding down, because really what we should do is a step further back from that. We should be trying to maintain a sense of balance all the way through the day. So the best time to use relaxation stuff, mindfulness stuff, everything that makes you bring you back to your present moment to be relaxing, to maybe sort of stare off into the distance and sort of daydream for a little bit, all of that good stuff. It's really good for you and your cognitive performance you should be trying to do that during the day every time you get out of a meeting what do you do to bring yourself back to balance or do you just go straight on the computer and start typing up whatever it is that you've done we never give enough ourselves enough time in the present just to settle if we did that a bit more then we wouldn't build up so much stress before we went to bed similarly if you found efficient ways to deal with your stress before you went to bed so one way would be to maybe reflect and on your day in a nice realistic fashion. So one thing you could do is look at the good things about the day and look at the bad things about the day and um, try to um, write down as many good things as bad things. So you might have felt like you had a really bad day, um, but you must also look and see, okay, I've written 10 bad things. Um, and so I need to write another 10 good things that happened to me that day. And suddenly you're looking at your day in a bit more of a realistic fashion. And then you might even do a little to-do list um, and think about what you've got to do for the following day. But instead of writing a really long to-do list, a hundred things long that you're never <laughs> going to get done, you could write down, okay, because of work, all I've got is 30 minutes where I could um realistically do anything outside my usual schedule so what can i do in that 30 minutes i could post that birthday card that i've been meaning to post i could wash the bathroom whatever it is that you don't usually have time to do and then make sure you follow through with your intentions and you do it so what i'm basically saying is before you go to bed if you can try to unscramble your thoughts on paper especially don't type it write it down realistically reflect on your day put a bit of a to-do list on, on paper. And it's quite amazing how much you can get out of your head or, or at least to process before you go to bed. If you don't do any processing before you go to bed, and that can be in any way, you could rant to somebody else about your day if it was really stressful, writing it down, all those kind of things, really helpful. But if you don't do that, your body's got to do it somewhere else. So therefore, is it any wonder that we have strange dreams or weird things happen to us in the middle of the night when we're not spending enough time processing our days? So it's not the amount of time that you spend um, winding down. It's more how efficiently you're doing it, how much time you bring yourself back to balance in the day. Therefore, you don't need to have hours and these strange realistic routines before you go to bed just to be able to get to sleep. Mm. It's just about how you do it. If you if you're tired, say, I don't know, about half past 10 and then you end up staying up to finish some bits for work or whatever it is. And then by the time you get to bed, you're not sleepy anymore. Yeah. So um, often we associate uh, things with the bedroom after a while that aren't sleep, for example, being stressed or being anxious and being awake. Mm. Um, And so often you can feel sleepy enough to take yourself off to bed, but not sleepy enough to get yourself off to sleep. It might feel it to you, but suddenly you're wide awake. Also, times, timing of winding down. Um, when we wind down to go to bed, often we get ready for bed just before we go to sleep. And the problem with that is, is it's kind of a wind up process. So what we find is we tend to get wound up by brushing our teeth, often because it makes you think about things that you haven't done. For example, the dishwasher 
um, the, uh, I don't know, uh, putting the dog out, all those mm -hmm. kind of things. And so you end up thinking, oh gosh, after brushing your teeth, I've got to go and do all those things. Um, and then often you, you're not ready for bed. You've kind of wound yourself up and then you put yourself in bed. Um, and that's a problem because then mm -hmm. your body's wound up and, and you're not ready to go to bed. Or the other thing is, is that you've done something in your wind down routine that actually wound you up. And that's another reason why you might not be able to get to sleep. But in terms of a sleep window, not really. If you're sleepy enough, you will go to bed. It's just that most of the time we're not sleepy enough when we think we are. Mm. Often people think that fatigue is sleepiness. So they will think, oh, you know, I really need to rest my eyes. I really need to rest my body. But actually they're talking about sort of physical fatigue or mental fatigue. They're not talking about that lovely feeling of sleepiness when your eyes are shutting and you're really unable to keep awake that's a nice sign that you are ready for sleep. But if your associations are strong with the bedroom and you have got yourself into a bit of a habit of feeling anxious um, when you get into the bedroom, then your brain will go straight into that mode of, oh, we're suddenly in that room where we get anxious and stressed. So of course it wakes you up. But a mm. good way to get around that is actually to surpass it altogether. Give yourself permission to stay up later. Stay very, get yourself really, really sleepy but still wake up at the same time every single day whilst you're doing this kind of process. And what you'll notice is if your body has no other place to compensate, it will start to take you to bed at your chosen time, but it takes time. And often people look for a nice reactive way of trying to get themselves to shut off. And of course that doesn't exist. You've got to be a bit more, um, long term about it and when I say long term I only mean three or four nights but people want that reactive I just want one thing right now that's going to make me sleep and I think to myself well the only thing that's going to make you sleep in science is more wakefulness so you need to stay up okay that's really interesting some really great tips there Stephanie so what I've taken from it is get up at the same time every day go to bed when you're sleepy and if you can't get to sleep or if you wake up in the night, just get up and do something and try again a bit later. Is there, yeah. is there anything else that you'd recommend? Um, so it's the bright light thing. So getting plenty of bright light movement in the morning. If you want to be that morning person, if you want to wake up and feel refreshed, then you have got to stop telling your brain different things. It is so smart. So if at the weekends you keep overcompensating by lying in for a fair few hours after you usually wake up, that's a good sure sign that your body's never going to let you feel refreshed at a certain time in the day but if you're fairly consistent why not be because you can then get good sleep every night and you're going to start to feel refreshed in the mornings often people think feeling refreshed in the mornings is specifically due to the length and the quality of your sleep but actually if you but if you've got yourself into a, a position of waking up at the same time every day regardless of what happens to you at night you'll notice that your brain just automatically wakes you up and you're not sleepy anymore. You feel a certain amount of refreshness, no matter what sleep you've had. So that's quite interesting how much emphasis we put on one night of bad sleep, when actually your behavior and the way that you govern your life and the consistency of your behaviors has much more of an effect because your brain trusts those. And so it thinks, oh, it's time for her to be awake. So I'm gonna give her all those nice wake, wakeful things, but light is gonna help you feel better and more refreshed short in shorter time thank you so much stephanie that's been really useful there's some really good tips there um thank you for joining us oh thank you for having me so we'll be back soon with another episode but in, in the meantime if you need to talk about anything that's keeping you awake at night you can call law care free independent confidential helpline on 0800 279 688 or 1800 991 801 in ireland 
or visit our website www.lawcare.org.uk for email support, web chat and other resources. Thanks for joining us.